From the PSIA AASI Satellite Studios in Hood River, Oregon, I'm George Thomas, and we are chatting today with Melody Buell about providing effective feedback. Melody, I am so excited about this interview. I've been looking forward to it ever since you first dropped the idea. Thanks, George. It's a pleasure to be here and always happy to talk about topics like this with you. So I want to start out just by giving you a couple of examples, and then I'm going to be quiet and let you go. Um, but just a couple of different learning examples. I was at a uh, the season kickoff for Rocky Mountain in uh, Breckenridge back in November, and it was our first day on snow, and the snow conditions weren't amazing. We were having a blast, but the uh, clinician, awesome, awesome clinician, was like, you know, I, I kind of want to go easy on you guys today um, because we're just coming back. And I went up to him and I said, I want you to just rip me apart and really work on my skin. <laughs> I mean, tell me everything you see me doing wrong. And, and I want to just have some season focuses that I can work on. As opposed to, I remember observing a lesson a few years ago where I noticed the instructor had a first time group of uh, alpine skiers and the feedback to every skier in that group, it, it just didn't strike me as a, a learning environment that I personally would have enjoyed because it was everything that the students were doing incorrectly. It, it was a first turn and I saw them all making direction changes but that was never pointed out. It was what the person was doing wrong and what they should be doing. And is there a difference there? And I'm going to be quiet and let you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Thanks, George. Um, those are certainly two very different examples. And, and the truth is, is sometimes each of those examples lands really well with our learner. And it brings us into three things that are part of our learning connections that I think are worth bringing to the top before we really get into a little bit of the how. And it's drawing from our people and teaching skills fundamentals and specifically adapting to the changing needs of the learner, managing emotional and physical risk, and identifying, understand, and manage your emotions and actions, specifically from our people skills. And what I want to be thinking about that is like in the example where people were just getting negative feedback, corrective feedback, if that's the way someone learns, then you're meant to adapt to that. Right? But it also means you have to be a little bit attuned to the behavior and the responses and start to then key in and look and go, oh, this isn't landing well. What's showing up for the people? Um, is this person to continuing to progress with their, their learning? And, you know, the, the reality is, and from my experience, is that most people like a little bit of a blend. They like to be given, um, they like to be seen. And what that might mean is like seen in their performance, seen in their changes, seen in the way that they show up in the group. And if we can use, you know, these particular fundamentals and, and maybe in the future as we start to develop that outer ring and our decisions and our behavior and our professionalism is that if we can hone in on that, we can attune the feedback as it's designed for the learner. I really like this quote from Susan Brookhart just feedback is just in time, just for you, information to help you grow. And that means it has to be connected with someone. 
you know, before I dive into ways to give feedback and the how of feedback, I think it's important to talk about trust. And that is evolved in that relationship. I know we talk about it as being the outcome of great people skills and trust is built in tiny little bite-sized pieces. It's, it's asking someone how they are doing and really listening and not accepting fine or good as an answer and noticing that, <laughs> <laughs> right? That's a personal one. Anyone who's spent much time with me will probably get a kick out of that one. Um, and, and really digging in. I, I think about these ideas of when we're working with people, if we care personally, so that's that piece towards that trust, we create space to challenge them directly, right? I think about a new relationship when we're building the trust, we're putting little marbles in the jar. You know, it's a concept from Brene Brown. You pop a little marble in the jar because you invite somebody to come over and sit at the table. Or you say, hey, can I grab a chair with you? And you include them. You show them that you care about their development. What are you working on? Ooh, I want to help you with that. I want to support you. That lands really differently. As opposed then, to, good job. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Unspecific feedback doesn't go far. In fact, rolling up to someone and saying, hey, trust me, is the best way to just demolish your trust. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to offer three things that I like to use and apply um, that might help in, increase the likelihood that you're going to deliver and help your feedback land. All right. So first it's being timely. Think about the value of, you know, being thoughtful. You know, if you are praising someone, oftentimes doing that in front of a group is welcome but not for everyone. So doing a little navigating and kind of getting a sense of what somebody likes, what somebody doesn't like, if you're going to give someone maybe some constructive criticism and whatnot, maybe being a little more private about it. I also think soliciting someone and engaging in consent feeds into that timeliness. So that might look like saying, hey, can we grab a chair together? Like, I want to speak to something that I saw. There's a lot of nuance in there. I ask for consent. I want to see if you're ready to receive and then we're going to go talk about it. So now you have a little time to think about like, oh, I'm going to receive feedback or I'm going to receive something. This thing is a gift for me. Then it's personalized. It's not the thing that you saw on, um, you know, on a video two weeks ago that you've been thinking about. It's the thing that you saw that's tuned into them based on their goals, which also means you had to ask about them. It means you have to show them you care. So it's tuned in for them to help them be successful. You know, that um, I think about how different it is when someone kind of, you know, you can feel like someone's been working on their own thing, you know, a clinician or instructor, and then they kind of just impose it on somebody. And the difference between when somebody shows up and say, hey, I've been really working on this thing or, or when something is picked out that is just absolutely tailored to them and how much more that develops that connection, how much more that grows the trust. And in turn, that means relationship, right? So the other piece that I like to think about is it's well communicated. 
And I think it's so easy, you know, in our professional lives to go immediately to like, oh, it's articulate or I use the right words. What are the words I need to use? Right. We start judging ourselves. It's not so much about that. It's really about like your overall behavior. It's how are you moving your body? Are you facing the person? How's your tone? Are you sharp? Or are you a little softer? Are you giving this person an opportunity to be part of the conversation? Or are you commanding them? Do you believe what you're saying? Because it's probably going to come through in how you deliver the information. Do you give them enough time so you can be present? Those are the components of being well communicated that are going to help create connection. I also think that if, and also from my experience, is that if you stumble through your words on this, it might actually connect just fine. Especially if those other pieces and those other parts of your, of, of your behavior are showing them that you care. And that you're really invested in their growth. George, how's this landing with you? Now, Melody, trust me on this. I, no. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you start over? <laughs> no, I'm loving this. And I what one thing you said, I mean, a lot of what you said has had an effect on me, but I really it, it just stood out to me when you said, Do you believe what you're saying? Because yeah. I, it, it seems all too often we want to be complimentary or whatever it is, but there's, there's, it, it's so hard to find something to compliment at the time. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that's, you know, that, that really lands for me in the sense of, you know, sometimes... I think that as instructors, you know, we are, it's definitely part of our professional duty to give feedback and being able to give positive and constructive and change-based feedback are both skills that we need to harness. And they should be things that we believe are true and will benefit the person. I think of like, what's the most impactful thing I can say that's going to give the greatest result, right? And that helps me narrow what I'm going to say and what I'm gonna offer. And am I really going back to this underlying theme of care? Do I really care? It's gonna show up in how I deliver. So coming back to that and letting that be part of that foundation, I think can really elevate these three key points of like, is it timely? Am I respecting the person's space and their needs to feel safe when receiving feedback? Whether it's praise or whether it's an, an ask for change. Is it personal? Is it truly tuned in to that person that's in front of me? And is it well communicated? Like really honing in on those things and helping make sure that I am connecting with the person in front of me. And are they engaged with me and engaged in the process? I've got to say one of the favorite feedbacks I ever gave someone, and I remember this so clearly, they were really having a struggle, but it was they came down and I looked at them and said, oh my gosh, Melody, you're smiling. <laughs> Wait, was that feedback you gave me? It was. It was not feedback to you. I was just using <laughs> you because I'm looking at you right now. No, but no, it was really that simple, and the smile got bigger. Oh yeah. Because it was like you're having fun, and it shows. Yeah. I think that's part of that piece that we talked about earlier about you know people want to be seen. 
And when you can identify those pieces, it really helps elevate our ability to connect. And connection leads to trust-based relationships. And that helps to open up our ability to give high-quality feedback that's specific. It's timely. You know, these pieces of that are so important to our professional delivery. You so, know, I, uh, yeah. Early season, I'm, I've got a, a 10-person group. How do I make those connections with everyone and make them quickly? Because we've got to get that. And, I mean, we're not just connecting at a base level. We've really got to build that trust from everyone in that group. And I think they're really observing how you interact with each, each of them. Absolutely. You know, I think that sometimes it's, I think it's important to lead with being a bit compassionate for yourself because it is challenging to really create a deep connection or even a, the beginnings of a connection with 10 people in a short period of time. And, you know, so there's some things that I apply in my clinic groups that have helped me be more successful. And sometimes it's, it's really digging into why. And I'll ask my group, you know, why are you here? And I'll ask them to move away from like, oh, here's the thing I'm working on, which, you know, especially when we get into ski improvement uh, clinics, I, I quickly hear that. And I say, you know, but why are you here? You know, did you take a day off work to be here, be here? Or did you like drive, you know, three or four hours or, or fly somewhere to be here? Like, why? Like, what's inside there? And, and that question oftentimes gives me a line to connect with their purpose. You know, why do they love this thing that we do? It's a bit wild, you know, to be in this ski industry and to be, you know, so committed to something that is hopefully changing people's lives and the way they experience out, outdoors. And I want to know what's connecting to inside them because I can come back to that. And then I can help stay rooted in something that's meaningful for them. So now we're talking about meaning. So within the first 10 minutes, I usually have some kind of avenue to connect with them. And then I, I, you know, I think personalized feedback where I'm being, you know, timely, personalized with the feedback. And it's, oftentimes it's technical, you know, and then if it's well communicated, I'm now reinforcing that connection. And then I can evolve from there. You know, this was true. I led a clinic yesterday and this was true. I mean, I think I had you know, eight people. So it wasn't a huge clinic. I mean, it doesn't touch the ones where I've ended up with like 17 in my group, which it's always tough to connect with everybody <laughs> in a half day clinic. But I had the opportunities to, you know, to dig deeper and to ask more questions. And this is the part where you care personally. When you invest in someone, you ask them questions. So think you're on the chairlift, you've got maybe it's a four pack or six pack and you at least get to two, maybe three people where you're asking them about them and keeping the topic with them. That is investment. People feel, have the opportunity to feel seen and heard when you ask them about themselves. It, it's part of the human design. We want that, but we also enjoy talking about, about ourselves. It's, it's valuable. So you can lean into some of those tools as ways to develop the connection and evolve your trust. Yeah, I really like that you have mentioned the chairlift uh, <laughs> frequently because it was funny. I went through an orientation at a ski area and they were saying, you know, pointing out areas on a map that were good teaching areas. And they said, you know, if you've taught here before, we want you to mark down um, some of the areas that you know on the hill where 
where you can really get in some effective teaching. And I marked every chairlift. <laughs> That's so brilliant. Nice strategy, George. I think that's so true. I mean, and think about how you know you're gonna you're gonna ride more, and you're if, if you are leveraging things like that, and also you may need to help manage the pace and stop on the side of the run once in a while too. So being strategic in your your choices as well. I think that um, you know those are some key components to what helps what helps me be successful in my attempts at building you know, great relationships or my attempts at, at providing feedback. You know, there's there's some things I think about as, you know, a pro and and in this space that I'm in and in my career is like I think another part of this is the truth and the reality is that I'm not always gonna get it right. And approaching giving feedback and building relationships is that each person is gonna need a different kind of um attuned, attuned experience so that it feels personalized for them. And I may miss sometimes and being approaching this as being a willing learner and recognizing that those moments where I feel like I didn't quite connect or I could have done something a little bit different. Those are learning and growth opportunities as opposed to like just completely missing. You know, I, I hesitate using the word failure, although I also believe that failure is frequently our greatest teacher, but developing the the adoration for it and to say, oh, awesome, I really messed that up or I kind of messed that up and I am going to do something different next time or I'm going to go restart that connection with this person and see if I can't go about it differently. How can I make an opportunity and a bid to connect with someone so that they feel supported by me? Well, Melody, we spoke at the beginning before we started recording, and we're talking about making this a two-part interview. And uh, I definitely want to get into some more specifics with you in part two. Um, anything you have to say in conclusion for wrapping up part one? Oh, George, I'm, I'm honored. I'm glad that you were that inspired and um felt that way throughout our chat and oh trust me I was not kidding when I was no. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I just come back to, you know, if you want some applicable tools to get things started and as you're getting out on the hill, whether it's with your students or in your clinic groups, you know, stay with, just play with like, hey, check yourself. Like, am I being timely? Like, am I personalizing this feedback? And I be, am I being thoughtful about whether or not it's well communicated? And it sounds like next time it will just dig into a little bit more of the depth and some other tools that you can apply. Northwest Examiner, Melody Buell, joining us on First Chair. Melody, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us. Look forward to uh, part two. Awesome. My pleasure, George. Thank you. From the PSIA ASI Satellite Studios in Hood River, Oregon, I'm George Thomas.